Well, Heidi, our next guest is a good friend of ours and lots of fun. Ron Volano. The zing. The zing. He is the energy zing. He's oh, the not, nothing gets funny. him down. He's at the gym when it's <laughs> below zero in New York and he's working it. <laughs> well, he lost his son, uh, Michael, 25 years ago. And he, he always speaks from the heart about bereavement. And he has also uh, started um, offices in Greater Long Island. And he also does telehealth sessions throughout New York State. He's a national speaker and, again, author of the book, The Zing. He's been on a lot of television and radio, our shows. He's been on podcasts with us, so you can find him there. He just started a new endeavor, which is really fun. It's called Long Island Authors, where if you've written books, he'll help you out with your books. So you can go find him and if you want to sign up. To if, it. if you're an author, if you need help with your books, please do this. This is revolutionary, and he, he started it. So Google Ron Volano, and you will find him. He is going to talk today about five tips on how to embrace change in your grief journey. And Ron talks the talk and he walks the walk. He certainly does. Thank you, Ron, for being on. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm Ron Volano, uh, licensed psychotherapist and uh, author of The Zing, but I'm here because of the loss of my son, Michael. Michael was 17 years old when I lost Michael, and um, he was killed by a tractor trailer. And I think a lot of people who's watching this um, been through the same tunnel and also is in the, the same club where the initiation is the worst. But I'm here to give you some hope by the day. That's what I call it, hope by the day. And five tips, just five nice, easy tips that I think will help because they've helped me and many of my patients. Um, a lot of stuff that I talk about, I've worked with many patients who've come in and we have a large staff, like uh, Gloria and Heidi said, you know, of psychotherapists. And... Um, you know, I try to not teach them, but, you know, walk them through what it's like to have a loss of a, a loved one and then the next, you know, have a loss of a child. So one of the things I like to do is set an alarm to relax. So either put an alarm on your app or put an alarm on your phone and give yourself a time, maybe twice a day. I used to do two times a day. So I knew whenever I was stressing out or something or thinking about Michael a lot, where it was maybe dragging me down, especially in the early times, I would just say, okay, I'm going to put that aside for now. And then when two o'clock comes, that's when I'm going to think a lot about Michael and I'm going to allow all those feelings to come through. So I did a lot of that. And what it really did was it really stopped my mind. And I didn't have to do it for long. It was like maybe 30 second time you know, just let the 30 seconds go. And then I would have the alarm set off. So if anyone has ever tried that, you know, let me know and let me know how it works for you. But it really is something that sounds simple, but it's allowing yourself and giving yourself permission to have a certain time to go through some stress and strain of the losses we've had. Number two, I call it the 20 minute rule. Now, if you're feeling stuck or, you know, uh, you have things to do and then, uh, you know, the 20 minute rule, what you do is you do that task for 20 minutes and you set a timer. So take something that you want to get done, put a timer on it and utilize like 20 minutes. That's what I use. You could set any time you feel comfortable for you, but 20 minutes you do that. And what it's going to do for you, it's going to either take your mind off of the past stuff, because what you're going to do is you're going to use that time for the now to stay in the moment which I know with loss, it's very difficult for me was to stay in the moment because my mind wanted to drift. 
I wanted to think about Michael all the time. And when I didn't want to think about Michael, I still thought about Michael. And like Heidi and Gloria said, it's been many, many years. Michael was uh, July 22nd, 1998. However, not a day goes by that I don't talk about Michael, think about Michael. And I have so many friends, I don't know about you guys out there, who actually know Michael and they've never met him because of the way I speak about him and the way my life is going. So I'll use that 20 minute rule to do some things like that for my mind to help like a thought stopper, like to stop the other thoughts and then use that to accomplish something that I want to do. Otherwise what happens is, right, our minds are going, we're stressing out, we're thinking about our loved ones so much and we're not able to get it going. So if you set a time, you say, well, these 20 minutes or whatever time you want to put on there, I'm going to utilize strictly, going to move everything else out of my mind except for that task. So that works. Let me know how it works for you. I know it works for me. Um, a third thing is, think about this. How many people have taken a walk? You know, instead of sitting in the house, and I was stuck for many years, believe me. You know, there's no big shot on this side of the camera here. But, you know, to get up and say, I'm just going to take a walk, seemed like a lot. I don't know why, but it did. It just seemed like I was just to get myself out and do something. And I would take a walk. And when I took a walk, I would go out my house, make a right. And I walk around the block a couple of times and, you know, fresh air. And sometimes like this weather where we are in New York, it's very cold, you know, bundle up and you go up there and that brisk air kind of wakes you up just, just by being out there. However, when I tell my patients, some days, instead of making a right, turn left. When you make a left, you never believe it. It's very difficult to have change. My talk today is teaching you, believe it or not, with these five steps, is how to embrace the power of change. And that's what, what I'm doing here. So to make the left turn, how many patients were saying to me, yeah, I was going to make the left, but you know what? I always go right, so I went that way. However, when I got them to make the left, what happened? It's the same neighborhood, all the same things that they saw and they passed when they made the right turn going around the block. It looked totally different. It was from what? A different perception. And that's where we need to get ourselves, correct? We need to change the perceptions that we have in order to have change of pictures in our mind, which will give us change in our lives, which will allow us then to move and also do different things than we were doing. Number four, here's a pretty pretty, I would say, cool one, reach out once a day, get in the habit or sending a me message or calling a person a day to keep your connections to the outside. A lot of us don't do that. We wait for someone to call us, uh, see how we're doing. And I know for me at the time, uh, especially in the early stages of losing Michael, I felt annoyed sometimes when people would call me because I felt like I would have to say the same thing over and over. And that was enjoyable to me. You know, I wanted to be in my own, you know, little cocoon, upset, uh, didn't want to work out, nothing. And I think a lot of you know exactly what I'm speaking of. And I will say that a lot when I speak to people who had lost, that you understand what I'm talking about, because we do understand each other. We just don't go through the same exact path, because all of our relationships with our loved one who we lost is different than every single person who's listening to this. So we have to honor that as well. However, when you reach out to someone, it's you doing it. It's you making that step forward. And that's the biggest key of this whole talk today is to get you to understand 
I want you to make the choices to make the move. I want you to choose who you want to speak with, who you want to have a conversation, who you want to send a text to. And next level is, who would you like to have a cup of coffee with? You know, again, sit down across from someone. Who will be there for you, not for them? So if you went for a cup of coffee and you were there five minutes and you said, you know what? I know we just got here. It's five minutes, but I'm done. I, I need to just take a break. And they go, no problem. They're for you without any stress or strain. That's what we need in our lives. Not someone telling us, oh, stay a little longer or do what I need you to do. No, no, no. I want you to have this, my favorite word. It's a four-letter word. It's a four-letter F word. And it's God's four-letter uh, favorite F word, I believe. And it's F-R-E-E. -E. I want you to feel free. Because when you start to feel free and you give yourself permission to feel free to move around the cabin, I notice a lot of patients, and I know for me, we start to reduce the guilt of, uh, of losing our lost one. A lot of people feel that they could have saved their loved one, and maybe they were, but most of the people I've ever spoken to, there was nothing more we could do. We did everything we could. We were either good parents, we were good partners, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just life. You know, Michael was on the highway, and out of nowhere, here comes a tractor trailer, a young guy in a you know, summer day. Wasn't speeding, wasn't raining, and the car went a little bit out of control. No divider in the middle of the highway. So his car swore over to the other side. And just at that moment, a tractor trailer was coming up this hill that he couldn't really see Michael's car until he came up over the hill. And then it was too late. And, he, and then him and his friend uh, were killed that day. So, you know, that wasn't planned. There was nothing I could do. Of course, I felt after that a lot of guilt and a lot of maybe I could have done something or, you know, maybe I, he should have been with me, et cetera, et cetera. Many things going on in our minds that are there because, look, we all want to save our loved ones. We all want to be there for our loved ones because we don't want to we don't want to lose them, number one. And some of us lost our, our loved ones in not so happy times or happy ways. And um, and to me, you know, so reaching out. Reach out, speak to someone today that maybe you haven't spoken to in a long time and or maybe someone that's been reaching out to you and you haven't been calling them back. So I just feel reaching out is a very positive thing and doing something, doing something that you haven't done before. And I know it sounds silly, but making that left turn instead of the right or vice versa, very difficult. I'll give you one at the end of this that my patients really struggle with. And I, I'd like to, if you guys are in front of me, I get some hands raising, but this is a, this is a good one. And, uh, but now my, my fifth one is, I believe not because I'm a licensed therapist, but I think speaking to a, a true professional. Now, I am not a grieving counselor, grief counselor. And because I lost my son, Michael didn't turn me into a grief counselor. I'm a licensed therapist and have people, a lot of people want to come to me because they know I lost Michael. They feel like, wow, this guy would be good. You know, and I'm the head of the, the uh, family and personal counseling. Um, and they feel, let me go to him that I would understand. I will see some of the people, but I will let them know I'm not the therapist that's going to help you go from A, B, C, and D. Okay. So I have a good talk with them. So when I say to you, reach out for a professional, let it be someone who truly specializes in grief counseling, and also let it be someone who has the license and the degrees with it. 
I know we have friends who could help us through the tunnels of life and we have relatives who can help us and many different ways. But when you want to reach out to a professional, I think that would be the enhancement of everyone and everything around you. And then you'll start learning, I believe, number one, to shed the guilt. See, I believe we're allowed to feel down. We're allowed to cry. We're allowed to feel sad. We're allowed a lot of feelings that we have, no problem. But one thing, and I know no one's going to like this phrase, I don't like to allow is guilt if it's unwarranted. Because guilt does many other things that every other feeling doesn't do. It doesn't allow you to go out and have a good time. Because what it'll do is you're going out, you're sitting there, you're finally smiling, and you say, wait a minute, how could I be smiling if I lost Michael? This doesn't make sense. I can't be happy. This is crazy. Or someone will be sitting across from me, and they're not being mean, a good friend, out of nowhere. And it could be three, four, five years later and say, wow, I have to give you a pat on your back because how could you be enjoying this day you know, when you lost a son? I don't think I could ever do that. That kind of that kind of, those words come in your head and start to validate the guilt again. So we need to learn how to what we learned that how to accept things we want to bring in to our mind. Right? We all can only think one thought at a time. Abraham Lincoln said, "You can only think one thought at a time, so make it a good one." So be choosy on the thoughts that you accept in, even when we have very goodwill people. Right? When loss happens. None of us know what to say to the person, right? And of course, the best thing to say is nothing. I'll be there for you if you need anything and listen more. But that's very hard to do. When you're looking at somebody that you love who lost someone, you want to really help them. I mean, we all want to bring the person back. I mean, that's the, ult the ultimate, right? None of us can do that. So just feel that within, within yourself that when, you, when you're somewhere and you're having a good time, ask yourself this question. And here's my question to me, and I put this to many patients. And remember, I didn't come off the track. I'm not a grieving counselor. I'm just a father who loved his son and lost them, who happens to be a licensed therapist, okay? But one of my things with my patients would be, I said, listen, if my son Michael could come back today and I could snap him back and he's sitting across from me, what would he say to me? Hey, Dad, I want you to be miserable. I want you to really not live. I don't want you happy ever again. All I want you to think about is me every day and that car accident I had. No, he'd be the first one. And I'm telling you, if you knew him, very athletic guy, he'd be, you better get out there. You better kick life. You better enjoy yourself. I'm always with you. I'm with you in spirit all the time. What are you feeling down for? I'm here with you. You know, let's get it together. Let's go out to the world and help people instead of us sitting home or, or, being our own, like wallowing our own self-pity sometimes. And what are we doing? Nothing. So let's use this and get out there. And I know that's easy to say and everything else because everyone has different stages, right? Someone just lost someone today. Someone lost one 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I look at um, Heidi. I look at Gloria and their whole family. Um, I always talk about them. I, I don't think on the ladder one to 10, I'm even this high on the ladder next to them. What they do freely, openly, they have never stopped one second to give people their love, help, just like today. And there's no nothing attached to it. They don't want anything for it. All they want to see is somebody maybe come through this little bit 
give them a little bit light at the end of the tunnel so the focus comes out of the darkness and out of the tunnel. And I don't speak for many people, but for them, I will always, whatever they need me for, I will always step up and be there for them. I don't think I'm the best speaker in the world, but I do know this. I was a loving father and still am. My son Michael to me is with me every single moment of the day, but I will not let Michael say, take over all my day because I have three other kids. So I have to have all the kids equal. Even though Michael's not here, I got to bring Michael in equal to the other kids, 25%, 25%, 25%. However, you'll say, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, it's not that cool on my part because my daughter, Alexandria, was very small, about seven, eight years old. I was on the phone talking about Michael to, I think, one of my friends or my sister. And when I hang up the phone, she says, you know, I'm getting a little tired of this Michael, Michael, Michael. You have a daughter here too. Aren't I part of this? And you have a son, Ronald, and you have another daughter. We're part of it. So Michael's just part of the family. He shouldn't be more special than we are. And I'm looking at it saying, wow, did that make sense, right? Was I leaving out my other children? Was, was, you know, it was, kind of, it was kind of wild when she said that. So that got me thinking. And then I started helping my patients with that. So, you know, she was my little professor. Let's put it that way, with, with many, many things. So when you're out there and you're doing something, think about embracing the power of change, but not the words. Because when I hear some patients will say that, oh, this person said, let go, let God. I said, well, between let go and let God, there's a lot of road between that. You can't just say let go and let God. You've got to do the work. And I know people don't like to do the work, but you got to do the work, right? And the work is this, listening to webinars like this, but then taking it. And one of my steps is journaling. Write down your feelings. Just Put them down. It doesn't matter how it comes out. It doesn't matter about punctuation, grammar. This is for you. Just let them flow out there. Because remember, when you're journaling, it's the first time you can see what you're thinking. We can all talk and talk and talk, but it just goes in a big circle. When you're writing, the feeling has to come out. And it comes out through your hands. And you're writing this on paper. And you're looking at your words. Those are your words, your feelings. And I have to tell you, the most powerful thing that I have my patients do is journal. And every single day, they will journal in their book. And right before they go to sleep, they'll journal. Put the date and just put the time when you journal. Throughout the day, close it up. It could be, you know, this therapist, Ron, is a pain in the neck. He wants me to journal at night. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to get your feelings out. Because if you don't, we implode. Those feelings then go within ourselves. And that's what causes depression, anxiety, and stuckness. I mean, if there's such a word. So that's another little tip for you, which I think is phenomenal, is, you know, putting down your feelings and journaling them. Now, let me give you this one. This will make you, make you laugh. But for change with my patients and some, some talks I've given to some large crowds, so, and the women really are the, the biggest components of this one. But I will say to them, I want you to do this now. And I say it at the end of the talk, because I think if I say it at the beginning, they're going to shut me out. So I wait till the end. And I say to them, what I'd like you to do, if you make your bed every morning and you put the 24 pillows on the bed, it looks nice, right? And if you have a husband or not or a partner, and they say, well, what do you need all that for? And I'm that guy. But so you want to make your bed. I tell them for one week, wake up every morning and don't make your bed. Oh, I'm telling you, you have to see the reaction. I say, it's just not making your bed for seven days. 
creating change. Thank you all for right. having me. Love you, Ron. Thank, Thank you, you so much on. for all the tips and tools, Ron. You were awesome. I've learned that it helped me to help others, to know I'm not the only one, put one foot in front of the other, find a life. Adding hope to the darkness, you start on the trip to recovery. Reach deep down inside and say, I am gonna live on. We laugh, we cry, and remember. Hope without action doesn't work. Hope with action can change the world. We always say, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours.